0: After essentially declaring war on oil and gas companies, the president is now turning to those same companies, asking for help. This week, the White House urged American oil and gas companies to lower gas prices while taking polluting methane out of their product as well. But what's the chance of any of that happening? And what does the situation we're in now show us about the value of having someone in the room who has a different opinion or perspective than you do. So as been reported this week, the, uh, the president, of course, met with uh, oil and gas company executives this week. And obviously the price of gas is impacting. I don't know if you filled up your tank this week. Uh, it's not small uh, and it's going up. And because of those rising fuel costs, of course, that's also causing political problems for the White House and for the president's agenda And as these energy costs continue to rise around the world, uh, we're getting shortages in in different places from a global perspective, uh, a little different uh, from place to place. But in the United States, the average retail cost of a gallon of gasoline is at a seven-year high. And we're just now starting the the winter season. And so the question then becomes, so how do you do that? Can you alleviate anything? One of the interesting things was the White House uh, just about a month ago uh, reached out to the OPEC nations, encouraging them to produce more, to put more on the market, to, of course, try to drive down the price. And so it's, a, it's an interesting and complicated explanation from the White House. If on one hand, you're asking American manufacturers and American companies to cut prices and to do uh, procedures to get the methane out, to which is more expensive and then at the same time, you're going to OPEC saying, please pump more, please pump more, please pump more. Uh, there's all kinds of conflicts in there. And then, of course, you throw in uh, supply chain issues and challenges, and uh, you've got uh, a real mixed bag of problems. And how do you work your way out? So to me, the interesting thing is, as the president met with these uh, oil executives, these energy companies, uh, they they talked about pricing, they talked about... Uh, all the different issues, and you know, do you open up the strategic reserve and get some uh, fuel out of there, and try to again, trying to get some on the market that will lower the cost? But when you start thinking about the process of what that takes, so there was one, uh, there was one oil or energy executive in the room who kind of was shaking their heads. They uh, they were not identified, but they said. Look, it takes six months to drill and complete a new well and bring that oil and gas to the market. So even the White House asking today for an increase uh, is is not likely to happen. And it it's, uh, may not only fall on deaf ears, it might fall on closed ears because nobody wants to – Nobody's going to go down that path. Then you add in all the regulatory processes that have to be done. Six months might be a little ambitious and a little positive in terms of actually getting it done. So it's not likely that even these calls from the president to produce more, to lower the cost, to increase the efficiency, uh, may not be be going down the right path. Because the president, in a lot of his early actions and and rhetoric – uh, remember, one of the first things he did was sign an executive order that to put a temporary stop to, to drilling. And, of course, if you're an energy executive, that's an attack on your business. That's an attack on, on your people and, and your products and your revenue and your bottom line results. So all of those things uh, that restricted the supply and made it harder to produce oil and natural gas – uh, those are all things that many of these energy executives are are stressing about. And so I, I think there was a little bit of a head shake in terms of, wait a minute, wait a minute. First, you're making it harder for us to do what we do. And then nine months later, uh, you're telling us to come lower the price and increase the efficiency. That gets to be a complicated conversation, if you're asking me. <laughs> uh It's one of those where uh, I think it goes back to a lot of what we often talk about on this show. And that is, as the administration were rolling out these different policies and signing these executive orders, especially early on, uh, and even recently, was there anyone in the room who could articulate a different point of view? Because if you let all the numbers and all the things play out that the administration has done, none of them are helpful in terms of lowering the cost for everyday Americans. Everything they've done has actually created an increase, which is why we are at a seven-year high for the price of gas. So was there anyone in the room to say, okay, you can do policy A, or you can do policy B, or you can do policy C. And you could probably even do two out of those three, but you can't do all three. Did anybody ask that question in the room? And would the policy have been different if there had been someone in the room who could say, wait a minute. Now, if I'm in the energy business, or if I'm a consumer, uh, or if I'm a, a big company who relies on these fuels, trucking companies, those kinds of things. How's that all going to play out? And it goes back to this point we keep trying to make of you've got to have regardless of what you're doing. If everyone in the room agrees, you only need one person in the room. It doesn't do a leader, whether they're an elected official or a business leader or a community leader, doesn't do that leader any good if everybody in the room agrees. You don't need anybody else in the room. Now, it doesn't mean you need to bring in a, an extremist from one end of the spectrum or the other, but surely, surely there's some people who could say, here's maybe why they're questioning that, or here's maybe why that could be complicated for a particular business or a particular industry or for consumers. But instead, we end up with this groupthink, and then then we sort of compound it, because then what normally happens, and Republicans and Democrats alike are are guilty of this, they, they all get everybody who agrees in the room, and then they agree that they agree. And then they get a communication consultant to help them say what they all agree that they agree on. And now we've got agreement in triplicate, uh, but no consensus, no uh, nothing that would have any substance to it that could stand any kind of real debate or rigorous exploration. And that's what we got to get back to. And so as we continue to watch this play out as it relates to energy and the price of gas, which is real concern, who's in the room where it happens? And are there enough? Diverse voices in the room on a wide range of it of issues, not just energy and gas, uh healthcare, immigration, pick your topic, pick your policy. But if the only people you have in the room are those that already agree, nobody is needed in the room. Uh, we need to disagree better, yes. We need to have differing opinions, yes. We always get more clarity in our thought when we have to talk it through with someone who might be coming from a different perspective or point of view or have a different policy idea. That makes us better, not worse. And I think the administration is going to bump up against that, uh, not just relating to energy and the price of gas, uh, but on a host of other issues where a little more debate, a little more transparency might just get us to a little better policy for the American people. We're going to step aside for a bottom of the hour break. When we come back, James Curry is going to join us. And we're going to talk about the limits of political parties. This is a fascinating one. You don't want to miss this. Stay here on KSL Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are.